This evening, I am looking, I'm doing Vision Sunday. We do this every year. And do you know what? It's such a, it's a joyful service because we're celebrating all that the Lord's been doing during the, the previous 12 months. And then we're looking ahead to what we believe the, wants, the Lord wants to do in the next 50 years. No, maybe not that far, but in the next stage. And, and we really remember the journey that Jesus has us on as a community. In the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, we see Moses just before the people of Israel are about to enter the promised land. Moses doesn't ever get to go there, but Joshua, his successor, goes into the land. But Moses is sitting on the edge of the promised land, and there's this amazing book of Deuteronomy, which is really Moses looking back to um, the time before and remembering the story of how they've got to where they've got to. And so they're sitting looking over and Moses is kind of saying, and this is the people and this is, the, and this is what God did and this is what God did here and here and here. And I think that's so important. I think in life we just want to crash into the next thing but sometimes we need to stop and we need to say, oh my goodness, Jesus, you have been absolutely glorious and we don't want to lose what you've done. We want to celebrate. We want to say thank you. We want to be grateful for all that you've done in our community. And so... This evening, I'm going to tell some stories, some amazing stories that hopefully encapsulate something of who God's called us to be. Now, I realize that I can't share all the stories. I asked um, lots of different people to send me in stories, and I, I had so many that I had a three-and-a-half-hour talk and just didn't think you'd cope with it. And so this is me being gracious to you. But, but it's so inspiring seeing stories of lives changed because that's what it is. But by way of introduction, we have a little video that I wanted to show you before we start. So why don't we watch this? <laughs> Tell you what, that music gets in your head. <laughs> Particularly when you've seen it twice, but... But there's some amazing, there's amazing things going on in this church, all over the place, from blend coffee mornings to the children's church that started to open door that's seeing people come to faith. And it's good to celebrate these things and to thank Jesus for them. Our vision as a church is to restore the city and renew the nation. And at the heart of the vision is restoring lives. Because sometimes when we think about the word restore, we're like, well, what does that even mean? And we think about ancient furniture and some kind of TV program where they make it right or an old building that's made right. But actually, when we're talking about restoring the city in our language, we're talking about lives being changed, lives being restored, brought into fullness and wholeness, because that's what the gospel does. That's what Jesus does. When his power and his life breaks into people's lives, it restores them into fullness. There's something in the and the Bible called Shalom. And it's a great word that really explains the peace and the wholeness of the Lord. And we see, begin to see Shalom in people's lives. We've been looking at the series of being fully alive, haven't we, over the last three or four weeks of what does that look like across the different areas of our life. So we, we believe that we're called to restore the city, but sometimes when we, when we talk about that, it, so, it sounds so kind of grand. It's like, we're restoring the city. But do you know what? When we break it down to the next level... It's one life at a time. One life at a time, one neighbour 
at a time, one course mate, one work colleague, one friend, one family member. Our vision as a church is all about people. It's all about relationships. Because what happens is that God uses his church to rebuild the dreams of shattered communities. That's, that's what the church is for. Where these communities have at their center fear and hopelessness, then God wants to implant everything good of the kingdom. He wants to implant his faith, his hope, his love, his peace, his mercy, all of these things into communities to see them come to life. And do you know what the incredible thing is that he uses us to do it? Sometimes I'm like, God, is that the best plan, really? Are we, are we the plan? It's like, yes, you are the plan. The church is the plan. So as you look around this room today, this is the plan. This is the redemptive plan of God and it's sitting in this room because he uses us, each of us. And God is asking us to own our city, our communities, our roads, our streets, our flats, to take responsibility for praying the life of God into them and praying for opportunities to show the extravagant love of God. Now, as many of you will know, about three years ago, we developed some language that we felt really expressed who God was calling us to be, almost slightly aspirational values, because to a degree, we are them, In the other side of it is we want to be them more, because we're not there yet. So let me just remind you, and it says this, we are captivated by Jesus and compelled by his love to be a grace-filled community full of shameless worshippers who are outrageously generous, courageously compassionate and carry the king wherever we go. So just, I wanted to take these values and I wanted to tell stories that hopefully encapsulate these values. So the first one is this, a grace-filled community. The grace and forgiveness that God shows us means that we can welcome anyone, forgive quickly, and love extravagantly. It's always our starting place. Grace comes out of this free gift that the Lord gives us. How can we love the people in front of us because God first loved us? It's the overflow of that moment of, oh, Lord, I understand your grace, which means that whatever community, whatever environment we're going into, we can carry the grace of God. And here's a story that encapsulates it for me. Says this, I've been attending Cardiff Vineyard since de- December 2016. It was the family Christmas service. It was crazy, full of fun and mayhem. I don't know if you've ever been to the family Christmas service. Bonkers. I mean, anybody that comes back, wow. Um, crazy, full of fun and mayhem as a single mum of a young teen fairly new to Cardiff. Straight away, I knew that this was the church for us. I love the way James would describe the church as a family getting together for dinner how everyone gets involved. Some lay the table, some wash the pot, someone cooks the dinner, etc. Since family was exactly what I was looking for, I decided to get involved. Although I knew my skill set was working with children, I was at the time teaching, and there's only so much fun you have to give. Some of you are teachers here, and you're like, yes, that's right. So I decided to join the refreshments team, and I loved it, serving coffee to people. Chatting was a great way to get to know people, but the best part about refreshments was seeing the little kid, kids' eyes light up when they peered over the counter to see a mountain of sugary donuts. Awesome. If you've ever seen it, it's a wondrous thing. 
In July, I left my job and joined the kids' team, and it's amazing. It's so fulfilling to be working with other people who value each child for their uniqueness and essence, who help support and nurture the growth of their self-worth, self-esteem, and relationship with God through creativity, fun, and play. A few weeks ago, I went into hospital to have a spinal fusion, a result of injuries sustained in a car accident many years ago. My vineyard family has been with us throughout. The wonderful Shaw family opened their house to my son, Charlie. Knowing he was safe and well, looked after with a loving family, enabled me to relax and focus on my operation and recovery in hospital. The wonderful Mr. Kemp, as my son's mentor, has chatted and supported Charlie over the last few months, which has helped put his mind at ease. Claire on the compassion team, along with Naomi, my refreshments team buddy, set up a food and visit, visit rota where friends of the church have cooked food and brought round a meal daily, which has been such a blessing, as I'm currently unable to cook to have healthy, nutritious food to help me heal and grow. It's been just amazing. Thank you to all at Cardiff Vineyard who've been with us on this journey. We really are overwhelmed with the kindness, help, love, support, hospitality, and prayers we've received, and I can't wait to return in a few months' time. Natalie and Charlie. Isn't that an amazing story? Because it talks about the depth of what a community that loves each other should look like. That's what happens when we're in community, that we love one another. You know, for somebody going through an incredibly difficult time, suddenly it's like they've got these people making them food and looking after them and different people in their lives. So that's a, that's a picture of what grace-filled community looks like. Let me give you another picture of what grace-filled community looks like. Colin is another gentleman who's been attending Open Door for a few years. Colin is a middle-aged middle homeless gentleman who initially came to Open Door full of well-reasoned arguments why God didn't love him and a good understanding of the Bible. He was a fighter and had a bit of a reputation. Anger and rage were simmering and controlling him. Over the weeks coming along to Open Door, he received prayer and prophetic words and received consistent acceptance and love. This Another homeless ministry run through Rabina Baptist led him to the place of committing his life to Jesus in 2016 and going on and being baptised at Open Door in early 2017. It's been far from straightforward, but Colin knows God's love for him and is developing a beautiful relationship with Jesus. He's been growing maturity in Christ, becoming more dependent on God's voice and direction in his life. Colin's no longer a slave to anger and rage and has been delivered of this spirit. He now loves to share God's love with other on the streets and just last week helped to lead another homeless person into commitment and relationship with Jesus. That's amazing because that is a picture of multiplication. So not only does somebody come to know the Lord, but then they start leading other people to Jesus. That is what the kingdom of God should look like because suddenly... When lives come alive, how can you not tell people about Jesus? When you've experienced something that utterly transforms your soul, it's the overflow. I remember when my wife came to know the Lord and she just could not stop speaking about Jesus to the point where her dad turned around and he's like, Jen, would you shut up talking about Jesus? Um, but that's what happens. And that's a picture of what the grace-filled community loved into fullness. That's a picture of what it looks like. Shameless worshippers, another one of our values. And this is that God has lavished his love on us and set us free from our shame. You know, so easily do we get bound up in shame and condemnation. The Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. We have been set free from shame. In response, 
we shamelessly give him all the glory. Do you know what? When, I, when I'm talking about stories from this church today, I really hope it's not, oh, isn't Cardiff Vineyard amazing? It's, isn't the Lord great? That, that's the response that I, my prayer is that we would give glory to the king because it's all about him. Everything that this church stands for is about the name of Jesus and therefore it's all about bringing him glory, not about telling good stories. But worship is our highest value and God loves to encounter his people. We see it throughout the scriptures. Zacchaeus meeting Jesus. Lazarus, well, he had a pretty profound encounter. Moses, and we, and, and we are privileged to experience and to have an expectation that whenever we meet, that the Lord wants to encounter us. That's, that's one of the things that I most love about my faith, is that when I walk in on here in a Sunday, and it doesn't just have to be a Sunday, but when we meet together as the gathered community, as the church, there is this expectation that the Lord wants to encounter us. I hope that's how you come in. Every time I come in with fear and trepidation, no, there's not, but there's this, there's this moment of saying, Jesus, what is it that you want to do today? Because it's completely different to what he wanted to do yesterday. His mercies are new every morning. Every, every day it's different of what the Lord... Sometimes he just wants to deliver the comfort and pour it into our souls. And at other times, he, sometimes he's, he's kind of saying, come on, it's time to get back on the horse. It's like you've fallen off. What, it's just different. He encounters us in different moments. Because what do we have without God's presence? We have nothing without the presence of the Lord. When we sat, sitting, kneeling just before Jesus, Jesus earlier and just being like, Lord, I love your presence. Let me dive into one recent story that stood out to us from our kids' ministry, written in the words of one of our leaders. On this Sunday, we talked to the kids about peace. And in the ministry time, we encouraged them to find a, a space to sit still. Big question. And, and ask Jesus for peace in a situation that they felt worried about. The presence of God was overwhelmingly peaceful and the kids were silent and many laid down and were as fully engaged as I've ever seen them in ministry time. Even more beautifully, they all started to join in with the worship leaders who were singing this song, Tremble, over them. It's an incredibly special moment for all of us. We would then found out that the intercession team, not knowing we were talking about peace, had been taken aback by God's peaceful presence in the big kids' room earlier that morning, so much so that they didn't want to leave. Thank you, Jesus. One of the things that we love to do before people come into our environments, before they, the kids come into church in the morning, before you turn up in the evening, is that we pray round the building, that we pray round the rooms that people are going to come into, because there's the expectation that the Lord wants to speak and move. We're going before and welcoming the Holy Spirit into places. Outrageously generous. God has been outrageously generous by paying the ultimate price for us. And all that we have comes from God, from God and we're willing to give it all away. It's all his. As a staff team, we were so incredibly amazed by the generosity that came from so many of you recently during Love Cardiff at Christmas. 20 of our small groups produced hampers for families or people in need that we'd come to contact through our Restore ministry. What we were blown away by wasn't that just 20 hampers came in, but the size and scale of the hampers. People just didn't just provide the basics. The hampers were overflowing with beautiful glyphs, beautiful, thoughtful gifts. And I love that people who received these hampers would have felt lavishly blessed by us as a church. Do you know what? It's a picture of the kingdom. It's a picture of the abundance that the Lord wants to give. 
you know what? Thank you if you're involved in one of those for going the extra mile at an expensive time of year. Being outrageously generous almost also means this year being willing to give away some of our best leaders, Ruth and Nathan, who are planting a church in Falmouth. We're giving them away. Do you know what? There's this phrase that we have in the, in the vineyard that says, give away your best. Give away your best. If you keep giving away, then the Lord will keep replacing. If you hold on to things tight-fisted, the Lord doesn't replace. But it's when we have this posture of open-handedness. Can you see the difference between these two postures? You can have this posture, and this is the way that most people deal with life. It's mine, I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to hold on to it. It's a picture, and I'm not just talking about finances now, I'm just talking about everything in life. I am going to live like this because it's mine. The difference with the kingdom, outrageous generosity, is that it is this. It is the posture of if I have it, you can have it. If I've got it, have it. It's the overflow of what the Lord does. As we have this posture, what is incredible is that the Lord can then deposit into our hands. If you're like this, the Lord can't give. If you're like this, freely we give. Freely receive. It's both. And so just that picture of open-handedness. Courageous compassion. God's heart is for the last, the least, and the lost. So we meet the needs of the city, whatever it takes. I believe that to pursue godly compassion takes courage and it takes guts. That's why it's courageous compassion. We could just talk about the word compassion and go, oh, isn't that a lovely word? Isn't that nice? Do you know what? Most of the time to go into the darkest places, to go into the roughest places, to go into the most broken places takes courage. It's not something that comes easy. There's something that's easy to talk about but very difficult to do. It takes us to be courageous. Cardiff is an incredibly broken, messed up city, just like any other. I don't think it's any more messed up than anywhere else, but it is messed up. We have broken families. We have domestic abuse. We have breakdown of community. We have people struggling with overwhelming debt that are crippled by debt that probably don't leave their house because of that feeling of rising breathlessness. We have people track of trafficking. We have sex workers. We have gambling. We have addictions. This is in our city. These are in our roads, in our neighborhoods. I could go on and on. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that God's heart is for the poor, the lost, the lonely, the broken, the marginalized, the hungry, the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow. That's what the Bible says. You just need to open the pages of Scripture and just do kind of a cursory reading to see that God's heart is biased for the poor. He absolutely loves the poor. He loves breaking injustice. Courageous compassion costs us. As you will have seen on the video, our compassion ministry, Restore, has had a busy year. We started a new project called Grow Baby in September last year, and here's just one of the stories of the team. We had this, the most wonderful time with Grow Baby this year. In July, one of the storehouse project team met an asylum seeker, a single dad with twin girls, and after providing him with some household items, invited him along to Grow Baby. We would love to share in his own words the difference Grow Baby's made to his family so far. Every week I go and they give me clothes for the girls, nappies, everything. At the end, it's as if they, that means nothing to them, as if they'd done nothing because they asked to pray for the girls and you can see that to them, 
This is the most important thing. They share their belief and what greater gift is there than that. I think that if someone offered them every treasure to give up their belief, they would not. So that makes it the best gift that they can give. And you can't imagine how wonderful it is that these people want to pray for my girls. It's amazing when someone comes into contact with our Restore projects and then they become part of our community and start the journey of following Jesus, like this story from our Storehouse project. A few months ago, the Storehouse project team had the privilege of meeting an older man who'd been referred to us. We were able to provide him with a much-needed bed, which was great. On two occasions, our team had the opportunity to pray with this gentleman And as he mentioned that he was feeling quite isolated, they invited him to blend our community coffee morning and also to our church, Cardiff Vineyard. He started coming along to blend and it happened that when he first visited our church, we were just starting a new autumn alpha course. We're really excited that he joined the Alpha Course and has met several other people from our church and that we've had the chance to provide community for him and get to know him. He shared that he'd felt really welcomed by our different teams and could sense their genuine care for him and it's been such a joy for us to befriend him. It's all linked, isn't it? As we, as we go the extra mile, as we make ourselves available to people, as we open our hands, as we're open-handed with the lives and the things that Jesus has given us, then what happens is we begin to see that is an attractive community, that people begin to see the life of God in it, and they're like, what is it? What is it that's different about this place? I want to be a part of something like that. And, that's what, and then lives begin to change. We carry the authority of the king, this is kingdom carriers, in order to see the power of God break out wherever we go. When we understand who we are in Jesus and our identity in him, we carry his kingdom into every situation. We carry the authority of the king. The youth regularly go out onto the streets to pray for people, and here was a story the team sent over. This morning, we met two people who we prayed for before, one we'd met on Street Cafe two years previously, where she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and had a prophetic word shared for her. She stopped me on the street and began to weep as she recalled the encounter. This is just somebody on the street that's been met, that has been prayed for, and has had such an incredibly profound encounter with Jesus that when she remembers the encounter, she starts weeping again. Do you know what? That's what Jesus can do. That he can break in in the everyday. Suddenly, just somebody walking down the street, we make ourselves available in street cafe when the only thing is we're here because we want to give you a cup of tea and we want to pray for you and see what Jesus does. When we put ourselves in those places, God acts. The guys went out last Saturday and there was a couple of them, they were just sharing stories of how amazing it was. I remember Chloe was actually just talking about it. She's like, you've got to do this, it's incredible. You've got to get out there on the streets. It's just amazing. If we just give up these moments, then then God turns up. And he does, he shows up. It was amazing to see how powerful this encounter was to her two years later. The other was a homeless guy who the youth had brought uh, sorry, who the youth had wanted to help last month and so had brought him a blanket and a drink and it was great to see him in a much better place physically and mentally this month and still using the blanket, which he said was a life changer. As the video showed, we ran four alpha courses this last year. Here's a story from the Prompt Preni course after they'd done the session on healing. They took time in the group to pray for healing and this is the part of the story they sent me. One lady's arm, which was badly burnt, was not healing over several weeks, but after prayer dried up completely by the weekend and she could not wait to share how it had healed. 
I love that, that I don't think you've ever experienced the healing moment in Alpha where you've got people who are really, really skeptical about God and they're on a journey and then suddenly somebody gets healed and they go, I've got no box for this. I do not know what to do. During a word of knowledge, one man was shocked that we knew he had a bad elbow. He could not stop repeating, but I have not told anybody about this. He felt God's touch. Another man said, every time you pray for me, you know my deepest concerns. He commented that God speaks to me through you and brings peace and comfort into my life. I cannot deny God's love for me. As I've prepared for this talk, I've been humbled by the stories of God moving throughout our community and I'm massively encouraged by all that God has done. And as I've heard the stories, I thought, you know what, this is a church I'm proud to be a part of. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Jen and I very clearly believe that the Lord is calling us into a new chapter as the church, that we believe the Lord has given us really, really clear steps as to the next bit of this church. We are to multiply Cardiff Vineyard congregations around the city and beyond, to take the DNA of what the Lord has given us here at the gate and multiply it around the city. We love what God is doing here. We love that we meet together. We have this congregation in the evening and one in the morning as well. And we love what Jesus, the beautiful things that Jesus is doing through us. But yet there's a whole city out there. Even the, the vision says to restore the city. And as we sit there, we don't believe that we can restore the city sitting in one place. We know that the Lord has more for us. And so we want to multiply it to the north, the west, the east, the south, the Vale, Panath. We want to plant churches into Wales. If you live in the north of the city, for instance, and um, you probably, well, I'm sure you, you, you get here, you drive here, and you make it here. Why? Because you're a Christian already. However, if you invite your neighbor to come to church, they'd be like, why on earth would you go all the way to the gate? That's crazy. It's miles away. As Christians, we love to travel because we've already got it. But actually, people who don't have faith want something much more local. And that's the heart behind it, is if we're, if we're to meet our neighbours and see them come to faith, we want to invite them to something local that's just around the corner. Say, oh, it's just here. Our heart as a church is to see the lost come to know Jesus, to restore lives into God's fullness and wholeness. And we believe that this is most effective by planting new communities. This next chapter, this Joshua chapter, this is what Jen called it as we started in September. She was like, this next chapter for this church is a Joshua chapter. In the next um, six weeks, starting next week actually, we're going to be in the book of Joshua. We're going to be in the first six chapters of Joshua, looking at the incredible story of how God moves, how the people, the Israelites move into the land, how they begin to take the land. And this is the, jo- the Joshua chapter is the adventure that lies before us. He has been preparing us, that Jesus takes us by the hand and he leads us step by step into his promises. But the journey is never in a straight line. I don't know whether you've noticed that in your life. Sometimes you feel like the Lord speaks about something and you're like, well, obviously he's just going to leave me straight like that and it's just going to be like that. Generally, it's like this. And you get there eventually. And you're like, Jesus, why did I have to do this to get there? That was crazy. But the Lord speaks, but the journey is very rarely in a straight line. That might just be me. And you're sitting there going, no, mine was just really simple. Well, come and speak to me in 10 years and tell me whether it's still the same. Um, Show my age now. Uh, As the Israelites moved into Canaan, the whole tribe was involved. It wasn't just the leaders. 
The leaders went first, and at one point, actually, they stand in the river, and they pray, and then the river stops, and everybody goes across, and there is that moment. But it involved everybody. It involves leaders, every man, every woman, every child, as they play their part in the adventure that God has called them to. Over and over again, the Lord reminds his people and Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'm sure you've heard this, Joshua 1 verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now that is spoken to Joshua. That is a word for there as well. But as we step into the Lord's promises, as we step into the things that the Lord has for us, he gives us the courage to do it. Go into the land. Go and inherit the land. Don't just stay here looking at it. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody would go and lead some people to know Jesus over there? Yeah, I'm not doing it. God is saying, step, move, push, trust me, ask for my presence. So we as a community need to pray for the courage to step into all that the Lord has for us. In the same way that Joshua and his people had to overcome their fears, they had to plant vision firmly in their minds and be obedient to every step that the Lord asked of them. Our job description as Christians is this, obedience. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to, Lord, you know best. What is it that you have? Now, he uses the gifts and the talents that he's given us, but ultimately he's in charge. It is obedience. And I love what Moses said in Exodus 33. It's been a passage that throughout the history of this church we've come back to. And it's this moment where Moses is talking about the presence of God. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, show me your glory. Moses is begging the Lord and he's like, please don't send me. If you are not going to go, if your presence is not with us, I am, I'm just not going to go. Because it's the only thing that we have that makes us any difference. His presence is the only thing that distinguishes us, us as a group, as this church, from everything else in the world. It's his presence. That's what we unite around, the blood of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's the vision. It's big. It's a bit like, well, it's restore the city, renew the nation. In some sense, it's like, whoa. But the more strategically amongst you might be asking, well, what does that actually look like? How are we going to get there? Which are excellent questions. Early last term, myself and Alice uh, and Jen and Matt and Alice in their new role as associate pastors had a, just a couple of days away together. And these were the questions that we were thinking and praying about. And we've come up with four things. You might call them strategic aims, but the reason I'd call them this is just because they're really simple of what we would love to achieve by July 2019. And this is what happens to realize the vision. The first one is this. We want to have launched our first site in Cardiff North, September 2018. Second is we want to have thriving congregations at the gate and have explored mechanisms for taking greater ownership of the building. Number three, we want to develop our core function to facilitate a multi-site model. And number four, we want to identify next site and site pastors. I'm just going to go through them really quickly. Ian and Sophie, who Ian was hosting tonight, the Lord has been speaking to them. The Lord has been going before them. He's put in them the desire to start community. There's been this desire for the church for a long while, but the Lord has really clearly spoken to them about moving to the north of the city. We actually thought we might go elsewhere in the city, but Ian and Sophie were like, we're moving to the north and we're going. 
It's like, well, the Lord's going with you. And so we've got behind them and been like, the, the Lord's on this. And then, so they've started gathering people in the area in the north of the city before Christmas. And this term, they're building two small groups, specifically focusing on building community in Cardiff North. If you live in the north of Cardiff, we'd really encourage you to pray and think about being involved in the launch team because everybody gets to play. You're more than welcome to join one of the Cardiff North small groups or contact Ian and Sophie with some of the questions that you might have. We're going to be uh, holding some vision nights later in the year, so we'll update you more on that soon. But we're really excited to be moving towards becoming one church with multiple sites, seeing more people coming to faith, having their lives restored, and finding a home in their local expression of Cardiff Vineyard. So that's the first one. The second one, have thriving congregations at the gate and have explored mechanisms for taking greater ownership of the building. At the same time as launching the North, the danger is we're like, isn't the North great? What about here? We don't... That's not the desire at all. We believe that the Lord has called this place to thrive as well. Most of you will not be going north, but there will be a number going, and therefore there are going to be opportunities for people to get involved, to move things on, to invite those yet to come. And so the evening and the morning are going to start having a more distinct feel to them. They're going to feel different um, increasingly. And our goal with the gate is eventually to take greater ownership of the building. Last November, we had a trustees meeting here with our vineyard trustees, and we're pleased to say that we're making progress in this. But it's complicated, and it's going to take some time, so keep praying. Number three, we want to develop our core function to facilitate a multi-site model. As we move into a multi-site model of church, we will need to rethink how everything works. As you can imagine, it's not just same business as normal. It's like, oh, everything changes. Most of you, this won't affect at all directly, but we want you to know that we're as invested as a staff team in making the North happen, that we're all involved. It's not, Ian and Sophie, I hope it goes really well. See you later. It's like, we all want that to work. And therefore, the kids is going to be... run centrally. Alison and Damien, who run the kids here, will be responsible for that. Worship will be responsible by Paul. And then what happens is Ian and Sophie's role is to basically do evangelism and newcomers, to be the site pastors, to see people come to faith and to welcome new people. And then finally, we want to identify our next site and site pastors. By July 2019, our hope is that the Cardiff North will be flying, as will our congregations here, and will be ready to launch another site. This means that the next 18 months we'll be prayerfully starting to identify where God would have us launch our next site. We're going to be sitting there and being like, Lord, what have you got? Where do you want us to go? Who are you on? Who have you spoken to? Who's the Lord on? It's like, boom. Now, the great opportunity with moments like this is rather than, we have a phrase in the vineyard, and it's this, everyone gets to play. We're actually changing it to everybody has to play. (laughs) It's subtle, but quite profound. (laughs) Do you see what we've done there? You might want to get involved. Um, But you know what? As I really stop and I think about it, do you not think that that's a picture of what the church should look like? Is that rather than we we watch this this little group of people doing everything going, isn't it great that they do that for us? That we sit there and go, I mean, my vision for this has always been that 80% of people, so rather than the 20% doing everything, is that 80% of people, if you know Jesus and love Jesus and would call this your community, it would be get stuck in. And that 80% of the people would be involved and that 20% of people who are coming towards faith, they can sit there and do absolutely nothing as far as I'm concerned. 
We do not expect anything of them because we want them to meet Jesus. And until they've met Jesus, they can do what they want. But in that process, and so that's a picture of what I believe the church should look like. And that's the invitation. Why did I give out the forms this evening? You'll be like, why have they given me a bulletin and a getting involved and a giving form? God, three things. I'm not sure I can cope with that. But so the first one is really about serving. And so we, we would say, if this is your community and if you're coming regularly, you come on a Sunday, then we'd be like, get involved. There are teams across this church that we'd love you to be involved with. Um, we work on a monthly rotor system. So it's not like you sign up for a team and then you sign your life away. You do once a month on whatever team it is. But what happens is, as you begin to start serving, you begin to belong and you begin to own something. Until that point, you feel on the outside looking in. What, what shifts when you get involved is you're like, my church, my people, my community, I own this. I want to make it better. I want to host people. I want to welcome people. And it's the difference between welcoming people into your house when you think about it. You know what it's like when you're hosting? And you're like, oh, I've got these people coming around. Some of you are like, I need to clean up my student bedroom. It's a tip. But you, you're welcoming people in. And you feel that responsibility, I'm hosting people. That, that's the picture of what is belonging and ownership. And that shifts when we begin. It's not that we are called to be served, we are called to serve others. And that's the picture. We first serve Jesus, but we also serve the body of Christ as well. So if you're not currently on a team, I would love to ask you, get out the, get out the flyer now as well. Just sit there and be like, what is it that, how could I play my part in this? What is it that I could do? There are so many different things on this. And then secondly, I just want to speak about finance for a moment. If you give regularly to the church, if you give, I just want to say a massive thank you to you. It's not something that we take for granted. Your giving and generosity has enabled everything that we talked about today. Ministry costs money, ultimately. Being generous costs if you've given, you have bought the teas and the coffees and the donuts for this evening, that you've paid to open the building, that you've funded the Restore Ministries, you've enabled the kids' church to function, you've provided the finance for the midweek venue, you've enabled the small groups to have money to give to people. When we say we want you to go and be generous, that suddenly that we give them a budget, that we're able to do that. Your generosity has enabled ministry to happen. I spoke about being outrageously generous earlier. And I love the word outrageous because people who haven't met Jesus would not understand it's outrageous. Why would you do that? It's completely different. It's wholly other. It's wonderfully challenging. It's this giving away. It's this open-handedness. Outraged generosity will challenge and stand against consumerism and materialism from it's all about me to it's all about him. As a church and a community, I long for us to be known as outrageously generous, that we will look after and provide for those in need, that we prefer one another, that we bless what God is doing, that we treat those searching for faith brilliantly, that we provide churches, uh, sorry, finances for churches to be planted. Next Sunday, we have an opportunity to be incredibly generous to Falmouth Vineyard. Why? Because it's something of the kingdom. 
It's, it's, it's a kingdom work that's going on, and we would love to just be generous as a people, to give to it. That we would create amazing environments for young people to meet God. That we would support people working overseas. That we give our time and money to helping those caught in addictions. That we open our homes for people to meet in. That we use the money that we've been given and we steward it to bring the heavenly city to Cardiff. Because that's the picture of what we long to see. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Cardiff as it is in heaven. That is our prayer. That is what we're praying for. And these are the attitudes and values that we're called to live out. And as we move into this next season, we want to ask, some, um, we want to ask that more of you would commit financially. Up until now, we've had enough to do what we felt like the Lord's asked us to do. But we are moving into a season of massive expansion. Our God is big. Our vision is big. And the people who've committed financially, and there's about 40% of the church have committed financially, and we're so grateful to you, they have paved the way for those yet to come. Because that's an image of what happens, is that they welcome the people yet to come, and then they pay for the next set of people to come. So if you're not yet giving, can I ask that you would consider joining us as you pave the way for the next wave of people? The Bible talks about giving your tithe, the first tenth, which is the way that Jen and my wife, Jen's my wife and I, we have always conducted our finances since we've been married. We give the first fruits to this church to enable ministry to happen because it's what we understand in the scriptures, to put your money where your heart is. Giving is a muscle that we grow and develop. For some of you, it's just about starting the journey. And you know, during this week, I've just been praying for another 25 people to start giving regularly. For others of you, your circumstances might have changed and you might want to update your giving as well. Would you ask the Lord what he would have you give? On the top sections on the way out are just boxes that you can pop your serving forms in or your giving forms. There are also stamped addressed envelopes there as well. But the vision for 2018 is big, it's hairy, it's audacious. I love that phrase, big, hairy, and audacious. Do you know what? I would rather... No, I'm not going to say that. I was about to say, I would rather go for something massive and fail. And then I was like, no, 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 that's not going to breed confidence. So scrap that. That's not true. Do you know what? There is a city that needs the power and presence of Jesus. God has spoken, and we are marching as fast as our little legs will carry us. Why don't you stand and let's pray?